This is Green, a podcast where we believe our souls should be fed as much as we feed our stomachs. Each episode brings in a new guest who will share stories and perspectives from their own lived-out lives. Green aims to remind us of the commonality we have, living as human beings among other human beings on this earth. I am your host, DB, your typical Singaporean passionate about Singaporean food and culture. But like you, I'm just finding my own footing in this fast-paced city of ambition. A huge curiosity I've had for a while is in people who we may never encounter in our daily routine. These are stories that remain peripheral to us as we are caught up in our own separate lives. In this series, we will be interacting with several individuals on their experiences of living as a visually handicapped person in Singapore. Most of us have never had the chance to interact with a blind person. Because of this, we may be cautious or even unsure how to approach a blind person in public. We hope that this rain will feed your soul today. On this episode of Green, we have Rosie with us. Rosie was blind from a young age, but she continues to have an adventurous spirit and doesn't believe that blindness should be a factor which restricts her from living her life to the fullest. At 50, she scaled the 4095-meter Mount Kinabalu in Malaysia. And later on, she also picked up new skills in cooking, sewing, and even a diploma in aromatherapy and holistic massage. She also has a granddaughter who is four this year. This episode of Green was recorded remotely due to measures against COVID-19. Green. Hi, Rosie. Hi, Dara. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this uh, episode of Green. My pleasure. Mm. Before we start, right, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're most passionate about? Um, my name is Rosie Wong and I'm totally blind. Hmm. This year, I shall be 72 years old. Oh, wow. And I have... <laughs> yeah, I'm growing old already. No. Uh, anyway, I've got two grown-up children and hmm. I'm also a grandmother of a granddaughter who is four and a half years old. She's in Australia. Mm-hmm. What I'm most passionate about in life is to help those uh, adult blind to cope with their blindness because I, I know what it is to sort of lose your sight when you are an adult. Yeah. It needs uh, another visually handicapped to be a buddy to let them know that being blind is not the end of the world. Yeah. We can still carry on with life even though we have lost our eyesight. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a bit more of your blindness? You're saying that you lost your sight from a young age, right? Yeah, I actually I lost my eyesight when I was 9 years old. Mm. Maybe when I was 8 plus or what, I had a very high temperature la. Hmm. But of course, I did not lose my eyesight immediately after my high temperature. I suppose it took quite a while 
In fact, at the time, I was already studying in a normal school, in a sighted school. I think it was my form teacher told me that I need to put on glasses. <laughs> Maybe I, I wasn't seeing the blackboard too well. Lah. So I went home and I told my mother lah, that teacher said that I need to put on glasses. Hmm. At the time, I was already not seeing very well, but still able to go to school. I see. Anyway, when I finally, you know, sort of lost my eyesight almost completely, my mother sent me to SGH for a checkup. And it was the doctor who said that my blindness is due to the high fever. The fever must have affected my optic nerve. Lah. If I'm not mistaken, 1957. I see. So, after you lost your eyesight, how did your family like react to it or your mother or do you have siblings also yeah my my younger sister was so sweet she said mm. okay she wants to donate one of her eyes to me oh wow <laughs> <laughs> but of course being a mother my mother was quite depressed over it mm. then whoever tells her that this doctor is good that doctor is good she would bring me to that doctor to try and see whether there's any cure. Even when the GH doctor told her that it's no mm. more hope, no more cure for my eyes, mm. she still, you know, was very persistent. Ah. She still don't care. <laughs> Every now and then, she still would bring me back to GH, but we changed a, a different doctor. <laughs> so we hop from one doctor to another, but all said the same thing. Mm. So as you grow up in primary school, secondary school, everything, was it hard for you to adapt to the environment because of your blindness? In fact, when I knew that I was going to be enrolled in the blind school, I was in a way quite excited la, that I'm going to study again. In fact, I told my sibling, okay, when I come back after school, I shall show you my textbooks. Not knowing that <laughs> my textbook would definitely be different from theirs. But of course, at the time, I, I didn't know what is Braille. Yeah. At the time, when I lost my eyesight, we have to board in the school for the blind. It was a boarding school, during the day, we have a study, but after school, they, they will teach us the daily skills of living. We only went back during school holidays or over weekends. We are allowed to go home to be with our parents. Mm. The principal then was the late Elizabeth Choi. She was very nice to me. In fact, she's the one who came to my house and told my parents and even my grandmother brought the three of them to the blind school to see the blind school there and told them that you no, know, it's better for me to still continue with my education and stay there. That sounds like a very nice person. <laughs> yeah, but I'm very thankful to her lah. She was so persistent that I went to school. If she wasn't persistent, if I hadn't gone to school, maybe I won't be what I am today. Wow, she really sounds like an amazing woman. So, moving on, I read an article about you climbing Mount Kinabalu in Malaysia. You can see that you're really quite an adventurous person. So, what made you decide to embark on the climb? 
I got the news that Springfield Secondary School were organizing this and wanted to involve the blind people to be with them so that we had the opportunity to climb the mountain and also to integrate with us so that they can learn how to help us also. It's really quite a big feat. Yeah, it's, it's really a challenging. It's no joke. Hmm. There are so many high and steep steps and the students from Springfield, they learn fast how to take care of us. We were three in a team so that one of them can help me while the other two take turns. Otherwise, I think it's very taxing for one person to handle me for so many hours. From the base of the mountain, we left about 7 a.m. Mm. and we reached there about 4 or 5 in the evening. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but of course, in between, we, we stopped. La. We are a bit slow, la, but anyway, we made it. La. It was very challenging. But it's really great that you made it there. Eh? I think even for me, it'll be tiring. I, I was wondering whether I would be able to make it or not because one year before that, I had to go for a, quite a major operation on my leg. Eh? Actually, when I was born, I was very bow-legged. In fact, people say that I walk like one duck. Now, as you grow older, if my leg is not corrected, I I couldn't walk far. At the most, 30 minutes, and it's very, very painful. End of 1996, I went for the, uh, they call it the corrective. That means the doctor had to chop off some of my bone on the knee to straighten it. In other words, it's a straightening of my leg. About one year after that, I made the climb, but I wasn't sure whether I can make it or not. Mm. But thank God, I did make it. Well, not being able to walk for 30 minutes to climbing for 10 hours. Eh. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> it's a miracle. Yeah. And also, I must be very thankful to Springfield Secondary to organize this. Otherwise, I don't think I had the opportunity to experience the climb. This is Green, a podcast where we believe our souls should be fed as much as we feed our stomachs. Today, we have Rosie. Rosie was blind from a young age, but she has a spirit of adventure and aims to live life to the fullest. We hope that this grain will feed your soul today. So if you ever had a chance to climb again, will you do it? Actually, my dream is to go to Medjugorje. Medjugorje, I have no idea. <laughs> you heard Medjugorje? It's also on the hill where, where Mother Mary appeared. Oh. Ah, this is my dream. Where, where is it? I think it's somewhere in Portugal. Yeah, but I was told that it's not as high as Mount Kinabalu, but it's still quite a hill. Do you think your family will go with you? If at all, my husband will go with me. Mm. Oh, I did not mention uh, that my husband is sighted, so I have no, no problem. Uh, we can go together. He can help me, yeah. When when do you get married with him? 
Oh, I got married in 1981. That was the International Women's Year for the Blind. And in fact, they organized oh. a three weeks retreat <laughs> in KL, whereby the blind women from Philippines, Singapore, Sri Lanka, or all over, we had a lot of activities from politics. <laughs> we also, yeah. We have sort of a leadership training also for blind women, even to cooking and also handicraft. Wow, I never knew an event like this existed. They should actually have more events like this nowadays. Uh. So I was also wondering, why did you have such an adventurous spirit? Did it develop when you were younger? I always believe that the success of the blind, uh, it depends on our leadership. Our teacher, during that time, they were marvellous. They have faith in us that we can do. I always use the word, confidence begets confidence. Because the teachers have confidence in us in doing things. That's how we also have confidence in doing them. Not too long ago, there was this adult person becoming blind. So one of the social workers asked me if I could teach him how to cook because he has to you know, fend for himself where food is concerned, you see. One day I, I met up with him. He was so, 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 so depressed. In fact, he told me he gave up everything. I told him quite a lot of things that the blind can do. He overcome his blindness and in fact today he's very active because I introduced him to soundball, to running hour. You heard a running hour? No, I don't. <laughs> oh, running hour is organized by a group of handicapped people. Most of them are sighted. They are the ones who organize this run so that the sighted and the handicapped people can run together for one hour. That's why it's called running hour. And this happens every Saturday morning. Every Saturday morning? Yeah, we, we go all oh. over Singapore. <laughs> like Topayo Stadium or even Chinese Garden, anywhere. You either run or walk. People like me can't run, so I walk. Then they will pair the handicap with one able person uh, to assist us. Yeah, You can look at the website uh, runninghour.com. Okay, I'll look it up. <laughs> in fact, when I was in school, I even took up short part. Then also throwing javelin. Oh, dangerous. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> javelin. And uh, also I did try uh, long jump, high jump, but that I am not very good. <laughs> wow. Well, you're really very sporty also. Okay. How about nowadays? Do you have hobbies that you enjoy doing? I enjoy doing knitting, sewing, just learning how to crochet. Crochet is a bit difficult for the blind, but I think it's still possible to do it because the lady who's teaching me is also blind herself and she can do it so well. I haven't given up. I'm still trying. <laughs> I'm still trying. Because <laughs> I, I, I believe if she, can, if she can do, I also can do it. It's a matter of... Um, Practice. Uh, practice lah. 
But I don't like anything that is messy, like touching glue and painting. I tried painting. I did enjoy it lah, because I can't see. I, I feel very frustrated. I, I don't know what, what I'm doing. Rather than, no, other things like knitting, sewing, all that, no? When it's done, you you can feel them, you see. So you, you were saying that you can actually cook also, right? Yeah, I, I do cook and I enjoy cooking. Why did you start like learning how to cook? I learned how to cook because, to be very honest, I don't go out and buy food on my own. I, I, I can't get to doing it. Maybe because my eye looks so normal. People always think that I pretend to be blind, even though I hold a cane. So you see, when, when I go to a store and ask them, at what store is this? What, what are you selling on it? Sometimes I, I get scolded. <laughs> you can't see. Uh. Then I, I sell this one. Uh. So I, I, I feel very hurt and frustrated. I rather, you know, learn to cook. I think it's healthier and also cheaper. Anyway, when you cook, whatever recipe come out in your mind, you just do it and it's still nice. Yeah. Do do you cook yourself, Daryl? Yeah, I do. I do cook. But mostly Western food. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> Enough to survive. My father is a very good cook, actually. Oh, yesterday he just made roast that's chicken. Good. Dinner it was uh mee goreng. The the Indian style is it or what? Uh, my dad cooked the pongo mee goreng. He said pongo mee goreng. Huh? Anyway, I like to get recipe from people, and sometimes I don't know what to cook. I go and ask Google. I have a mini Google Home. But of course, I, I modify it. Lah. If I find it too troublesome, I just take the basic one. Lah. So actually, I cook all kinds of food. Lah. I, I use a, a lot on the air fryer. So. I think it's very useful for a visually handicapped. So how do you like you know gauge where you know the fire is or the frying pan? Like How do you not get yourself injured while cooking? At the moment, I'm, I'm using induction cooker, lah, which I find it very useful. But before that, I was using gas. Gas, you must know where your burner is. And uh, before you on the gas, you put your pot on it. Then, of course, you must know your handle, whether it's on your left or on your right. Lah. You've got to be very careful. Lah. But I think it, once you get used to it, lah, it is not difficult at all. It's just practice lah. Yeah, correct. But what I like about the ceramic induction cooker is so long as your pot is on it, then you just adjust it here and there, your food will get cooked. I see. Then how do you measure like water or ingredients? Measure ingredients. I have a talking scale, but I seldom use it also lah. Nowadays, when you buy things, they come in a packet. They will tell you how many grams, how many grams. So, what I do is, I use my bowl or the cup to measure. So, you just split accordingly. Lah, like. Yeah, yeah, correct. But when I add oil into the pan, it's better for us to use a pot that's high. I see. Yeah, so it won't come out, right? C- correct. So that when you add in oil or what, it, it don't splash up. And it's easier for you to stir inside also. 
And also, maybe you might want to know how you know that the oil is good. By the smell, by listening to the sound of the oil, you will know that whether the oil is cooked or not. Eh? And also, you know, when you put in your garlic or your onion or whatnot, you can hear the sound. <laughs> you can smell them also. <laughs> you can always use your ladle to feel for the texture. The more you cook, nah, then you will find ways of knowing. Nah. My brother-in-law at the moment is staying with me. He's able to see. Nah, he can see. So that day I asked him a very frank question. I said, okay, Charles, let's say if you were not staying here, seeing for yourself that I really cook, eating what I cook for you, then if somebody said Rosie can cook, would you believe him? He said he won't believe. Seeing is believing. <laughs> Today, we have with us Rosie. Rosie has an adventurous soul and her life defies the stereotypes people have about the blind. We hope that this grain will feed your soul today. Now we're going to move on to a different section. When I first called you that time, you said you actually were travelling back to Australia to uh, take care of your nephew, eh? Nephew, was it? No, no. I, I, I went to Australia to look after my granddaughter. My son-in-law just started a new job as a physio. And also, my daughter works as a nurse. So she does shift duty. The person who look after her, go for holiday. So there's no one to look after her. Lah. So my husband and myself decided to go over to help. So how was it like, you know, taking care of your granddaughter? In fact, she's very cute. She knows that I'm not able to see. So whatever she wants to uh, give to me, she'll put it in my hand. And also when she wants to tell me things, she'll tap my hand. And whenever I need to go out already, she knows where I put the cane behind the door. She'll run to the door and pass me the cane. Oh, so sweet. Okay, now we'll be moving on to a topic about your career. So you mentioned before that you got a diploma in aromatherapy and massage. So how did that come about? As I said, I, I was working in a corporate company for over 35 years. Lah. Then one day, the CEO announced over our public system to sort of warn us lah. If we can, we must have an alternative career because of the downsizing. I knew that it would be coming. So I say, never mind, I, I go and uh, take up massage. Huh? In, in fact, when I was young, my dream was to be a physiotherapy myself. But I couldn't make it because of science subject. So when I was still working at that time, nah, during weekend, I, I went to take up ordinary massage. Ah. Uh, after working for a while, I said, why not I go further? Lah, taking up uh, this uh, diploma in holistic massage and aromatherapy so that I can learn more. And moreover, it's an international cert so that should I want to practice overseas, I'm able to do so, you see. 
know the SMH that the mobile massage team they got companies to do so I thought I would join them lah because the hours are flexible you see wow I think it is amazing that you know you're still working or choosing to work and you know that this spirit of you know always trying to continually uh, upgrade yourself and with that I realized that you know you've also dabbled in other areas such as the short film Three Lives where you were the inspiration for the film's plot could you tell us a bit more about it oh actually this one ah what happened is he saw my article over in the papers is actually a reenact lah of what happened during the past years there's this Malay man Pachit Tobi ah Pachit Tobi used to help me when I was working in uh, Paleba Because from the bus stop to where I was going to work is quite a long walk, and I had to cross a very busy road. Yeah, he sort of every day waited for me at the bus stop to bring me to my office. Ah, I think it would take about ten to fifteen minutes walk. After he left me at my work premises, he walked back to where he had to work. Lah. Quite a long distance, I think, for him to go back. He did that almost every day. Even I told him no need, but he said it's okay. Even raining, also he would wait for me. And he was awarded lah the extraordinary person or something like that lah. So I think they were doing some filming of this. He sort of managed to get me through the association lah. So from there, he saw extracted lah, and make it into a film lor. In fact, yeah, I was invited. Both my sister, my husband, myself, we are given four tickets. You see, to watch the show. I see. So okay, so I actually recently conversed with uh, another visually handicapped person, and she said she in public, right? She encountered. Uh, someone who told her that if she is blind, she should just stay at home and not go out in public. So she was actually quite angry, but she did not fight back the person. You know, in your own opinion, what do you feel about this scenario? Yeah, it's 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 very true. I I I do hear this kind of a comment also. It happened to yourself. In actual fact, what happened to myself was, as I said, when I was working in this. Company, one of the staff was was asking me lah, why is it that I need to come out to work when I can't see? Because she knows that my husband can see, you see. And then she said that yeah, you should just stay at home and let him work. I was going to be quite sarcastic to her. I was going to tell her that I'm not a production factory. Meaning that no, I marry him. Not because nah, I just need to produce <laughs> children and stay at home. <laughs> Should have told her that. <laughs> no lah, I, I didn't tell her. I said no lah. Well, everybody has to work. I mean, marriage is a shared responsibility. Whether you're blind or you're normal, you still have to play your part as a wife or as a husband lah. But sometimes when you go out, you hear all kinds of funny comments. Ah, uh. in fact, there's one time when I was in the train, so I heard these two Malay boys. Ah, uh, 
they were talking to one another in Malay. Maybe they, they thought that I don't understand. But actually, I understand Malay. So, what then said, in Malay, I say, I won't donate anything to them. Hey, they got handphone, you know. They think that blind people having a handphone, that means, you know, we are very rich. Send it their money, and they have handphone. In fact, we are the one who need the handphone most. For contacting purposes, and uh, if you are lost, or, you know, it's uh, essential. On the blind person. Yeah, that's true. So to end off this podcast, do you have any like final words of wisdom for us? Or maybe a most important lesson in life that you have gone through that you can share with us? My my message to all would be be a good leader. Okay? Leaders are very important. You must set the right path. And also do not underestimate anybody. For instance, some people think that now we are blind, we can't do this, we can't do that. No? Do not underestimate us. Ah. And also, very important, ah. confidence begets confidence. <laughs> if the public are helping the visually impaired, ah, if they are not confident themselves, the blind will have no confidence also. Just have faith in us. Lah. Trust that we can do also. This episode of Green would not have been possible without support from Quackbin and Candice. You can find more podcasts on our website www.green.community or on Spotify and other mainstream podcasting platforms Do follow us on Instagram and Facebook at grain.community for new updates on podcasts and also little nuggets of soul food. I'm your host DB and I hope that this green will feed your soul today. Green.